This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. Scripture is holy. It is sanctified, set apart from any and all other writings that we have ever had and will ever exist. Self-esteem, that is a satanic idea. You're not as important as you think you are. If you have no desire to know who God is, then can you even be sure that he knows you? The gates of hell itself, or the coronavirus itself, will not stand against Jesus building his church. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us a man who knows the truth. One man, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. One, there is no race in Christ Jesus. Oh, how a man needs to fear God that that man might cling to his word. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? This is Matter of Theology, the place where theology matters because everything is, in fact, a matter of theology. I'm Drew, your host, and I'm here, of course, with my co-hosts, Chris and Josh. Welcome back, buddy. We've missed you. Hey, we have missed we you, back, ba- We back, baby. <laughs> he, Josh, is, Josh is back uh, somewhat coherent. He is somewhat. As long as he doesn't fall out of sleep. Um, yeah, I'm right know, there with you. I'm right we're there with right. you. We're, we're going to make it through. We're going to make it. We're all tired. We're all exhausted. Yeah. We're going to make it because we're talking about the gospel. and uh, That's right. You know, Amen. That's great. Um, we are a podcast production, no longer by Faithful Life Ministries. Uh, we've talked about that. We are now under the banner of Cruciform Ministries. Um, so if you would like to donate, uh, you can actually donate to us. Uh, through Patreon, patreon.com slash matter of theology. But another thing about Cruciform Ministries, we have just launched or we're about to launch the Cruciform Bible Institute, of which I am the director of. So you can go to cruciformministries.org, I believe is the website, and scroll down to you find the Cruciform Bible Institute. Click on that. Uh, you can fill out an application. Uh, it is free this go round. Uh, so it's a two year certificate program. We have the pastoral track and we have the biblical studies track, the pastoral track, men only. Sorry, ladies, men only. <clears throat> so if you would like to donate, just reach out to us for how you can do that. But on today's episode, we are going to be discussing the sin that indwells the believer. Now, if you remember back a few weeks ago, we touched on this when we asked the question, why are Christians hypocrites? We talked about the two natures that indwell the believer. While we are saved by Christ and free from the penalty of sin, there is still a partial bondage of sin that we battle with. We can call this the imperfect bondage of the believer as opposed to the full bondage of the unregenerate. We as believers still sin, both by commission and by omission. Commission, uh, there are things that we willingly participate in that are sinful. Oftentimes, these are the sins in our life that we seek to make justification for. We measure these sins that we want to take part in against the sins of other people in order to make ourselves feel good about our sinning. So we sin by commission. Sin by omission are the sins that we commit, but we are unaware that we are committing them at the time. Both types we should mourn, and we should seek to put them to death. However, what comes about is a shame and a guilt that seems to almost crush us under its weight. Uh, And this is not necessarily a bad thing. This demonstrates our sensitivity to sin, our recognition of it, something that we would not have uh, apart from Christ because we don't recognize those things as as sinful. Uh, It also demonstrates the reality of the gospel, which we want to unpack in great detail in this episode. Uh, But as the hymn writer John Newton said, 
as he was getting old in age, he said this, quote, although my memory is fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great savior, period, close quote. Yeah, I think it's, it is the, what do you say? It's the great paradox, right? That we are positionally holy and justified before the eyes of a holy God, yet we still have indwelling, an indwelling war between two natures. And it's a, it's often, it can be a confusing or difficult thing to understand of how we can be positionally holy before God, yet still sin. And I think one of the greatest misconceptions that cause that confusion is a belief that somehow that holiness is tied uh, to us somehow, that it's because of either what we do or what we have done that causes us to be holy. Um, and I think that what's important to state right out of the gate is that when, when we're talking about the holiness that we possess, um, it is an alien holiness. It's a, it's, it's extra nos. It's apart from us. It's a righteousness that has been imputed to us because of Christ. So that when God looks at us, you know, and the question is, well, how can we be holy and still sin? It's because God isn't looking at you. Mm -hmm. He's not looking at you as an individual he's looking when he looks at you he sees christ right so that it that's an important i think prerequisite to to lay the foundation that when we're talking about being holy what we are talking about is christ's holiness has been imparted to us mm. it's not something that we have conjured up or or earned or developed on our own mm. it's something completely that has covered over us like a cloak um, which is the righteousness of Christ. Mm -hmm. So that's, I, th I think it's a good, that's a good foundational prerequisite belief, I think, to, to have. Absolutely. Well, and, and when you, when you look at uh, how, how sin, how sin affects us, right? The fall and, and scripture is clear that, that sin affects the whole man. Um, and so the, the, the work of Christ, um, uh, the, the work of God accomplished through the shed blood of Christ and applied um, uh, but by the power of the Holy Spirit is something that uh, it's a, it's a great mystery. Um, we 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 know that uh, again, sin affects the whole man, and so uh, therefore, when we have we are justified, um, Josh, and you said it you said it perfectly. Um, that justification is is and that righteousness that we receive is imputed righteousness, and that that's why it's called justification. But then we also have uh, the believer's continual walk, and that, that of course, is, is what's known as sanctification, which is the, the impartation of righteousness. Um, and that is the progressive work, um, meaning that, that holiness does, uh, is something that grows in us. Why one cannot be um, more elected than they are, uh, one can be more holy than he is um, at, at any given moment through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, uh, through the Word of God. Uh, and, and so we, we have to remember that sanctification in and of itself is a triune work, um, that it is, it, is, it is where God, especially the Holy Spirit, uh, consecrates the believer unto himself. And, and that does, that there is a negative side to that, right? The negative side to that, Drew, to your point uh, that you said a second ago, is we, we mortify the sin, we mortify the flesh, we are putting to death the deeds of the flesh uh, and the things that are here on earth, and we are vivifying or, or living for and focusing on uh, the things of the spirit, the things of God. We love what God loves. We, 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 uh, we abhor or we hate what God hates. Um, and, and that, and that, that needs to start with, uh, the sin that we wrestle with is, 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 is Paul, you know, Paul, Paul talks about this great, uh, this, this dichotomy and this, this struggle, the conflict of two natures in Romans chapter seven. And, um, of course that, that, that comes to a head in, in, in verse 24, when he says, wretched man that I am, mm who will set me free from the body of this death. And thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, so then 
on the one hand, I myself with my hand am serving the law of God, but with the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. So mm-hmm. it is a great struggle and it is a great mystery as well, right? Yeah, there's now there, there's something you touched on there where uh, you're talking about justification and sanctification. Now, the Spirit moves us in sanctification, right? That process of being made holy. But a lot of times when we feel the weight of, of the sins that we have committed, oftentimes we seek to try to work not from a position of sanctification. Right. We try to work in order to justify ourselves again, as though right, the work of right. Christ is not enough. Yeah, that's and, right. You know, that is something that I have found reformed people uh, hugely struggle with. Absolutely. Because we, we rage against uh, a works-based salvation, right? As mm. we should. It's, right, it's, right. It's, it's a false gospel. But what I think is ironic is after we have become saved then the work starts <laughs> then it's <laughs> right. time for us to to you know put on our running shoes and start putting the effort in um, right. because uh we are positionally we are positionally saved but we earn god's favor and we continue to be in god's favor based on what we do right and it's a huge hugely uh fundamentalist blind spot that yeah. a lot of reformed people myself included for so long had that we will we will claim sola gratia uh until we're blue in the face but when it comes time to actually um you know how how do you please god well you work <laughs> you know how do you how do you how do you remain holy well you work you you put effort in you do something right and we have forgotten that christ's sacrifice doesn't just stop at conversion it covers your entire life right right right. Uh, justification is not a one-time event Um, just because sanctification is a process does not mean that god views you in a more favorable light the more you come to the image of christ how god views you is not on a graph it's not on a scale he views you as christ Mm-hmm. That never stops. Right, right. Yeah, well, and th- th- there's there's tension there, though, as well, because the tension mm-hmm. is, you know, if you, if you, right, th- there's ditches on both side of the ro- sides of the road. If you, if you run towards the fundamentalist, the I have to, okay, I'm saved, I'm justified, but now I have to work, you know, it's all about what you do, mm-hmm. um, that it's not the Spirit's work in you through uh, the applied and lived out Word of God. But, but, but then there's the opposite side of that coin to where you could say, you know, I am justified. It's all about yeah. the works of Christ. Cheap, and now I can grace. just, yeah, there you go. Now, now I can just yeah. live however I want, say whatever I want. Um, you know, this is my truth and I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, there's yeah. grace there. It's assuming on the grace of God. So, so it, it, it's, it's not either or, it's a, it's a both and. There, there is uh, work required by us, mm-hmm. um, in the, in the active mortifying of, of, of the flesh and sin in our lives and, and the, the active diligent study and search and application of uh, our theology, right? Our orthodoxy and orthopraxy have to match. Um, you know, the, but at the same, like you, like we were just saying, it's just, you don't want to go on one side or the other. Uh, and it's so easy to do that. So well, easy to do that. And what what causes the difference between this, those two things is what is your motive for working? There you go. Is your motive to make God happy and to make him love you more? Or is your motive because you love him, you are thankful exactly. for what he has given you and you can you can do nothing you can do nothing else. but seek to live for him right Mm -hmm. the difference in that subtle though it may be um is has vast vast huge consequences Mm -hmm. yeah yep agree yeah yeah we see this uh that idea that you just mentioned josh about our our motive for working i mean we can see that in paul uh coming out here in in chapter seven right why does he say wretched man that i am well because he knows the price that christ paid Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, why does, you, you know, look at, ver, at, at verse 17, he says, so now no longer I, the one that doing it, talking about sin, but sin that indwells in me. He recognizes, mm-hmm. uh, and, and if you read this whole yeah. passage, he recognizes there's things he wants 
wants to do, but he doesn't do. There's things he doesn't want to do, but he does. But he recognizes the sin and that it's wrong. Why? Because of who Christ is and who God is and who God has set him apart to be. So now his desire is to glorify God in everything that he is. And so he's recognizing this sin in himself, and he wants to put it to death, which leads him to saying, wretched man that I am. Mm -hmm. But then, I mean, if we keep going, what do we get to? We get to Romans 8. Romans 8. That's right. Therefore, verse 1, therefore, there is now no condemnation condemnation. for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, what do we see here? Now we see the culmination of everything that we've just been talking about. You are justified in Christ. There is now no more condemnation. However, your sanctification is something that is you are carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so the works that you do are, Chris, like you said, the Spirit working in you Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. order to glorify God, which moves your motive now from my desire to just make God happy by what I do and trying to to earn his favor to now because of who God is I want to honor God in everything that I do that's right yep well I think that brings up an interesting topic too is how should the believer respond when they do sin then right yeah, is that's a good what, question yeah what is what is a biblical and right response when sin does occur in our life because i think there's a good way to respond and a very bad way to respond mm-hmm. um and i think you know especially going off of that verse in romans chapter 1 um having that as kind of our template and, and, and kind of the 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 filter if you will of how we view and answer this this issue um i think we need to start with the premise there is no condemnation Mm-hmm. meaning the guilt the consequence of our sin the sin that was just committed three seconds ago has already been bought and paid for by the blood of christ that's right that the cons the the ultimate consequence of that sin will not ever be applied to you now god does discipline those that he loves but it's not punishment, right? The punishment for sin has already been laid on Christ. Mm -hmm. So we need to be, I think, very specific and very careful with the language that we use as Christians um, when talking about how should we respond to sin? Because I think one very common way to respond to sin, and I know this was very prevalent in my life growing up was you feel guilt and you feel shame. Mm -hmm. That's, and, and and that's even encouraged is if you don't feel guilty over your sin, Mm -hmm. Uh, you need to question your salvation at all, right? Or if you don't, if you don't spend, you know, two or three days just shamefully wallowing in the mm. the guilt of your sin, um, then you haven't you haven't. Uh, it's almost it's almost a penance view of right. of of, of, yeah. of a justification. You, you right? have to feel guilty enough paying your penance to 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 Christ. Yeah, that's right. 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 Atone, and, you, essentially, that's a way of, of you atoning for your own sin. Yeah, right, right, right. And it, it's this weird thing where, where you need to, if you, if, you don't, if you don't feel guilty enough, um, you don't hate your sin enough is the correlation that's made. <clears throat> Chris, were you about to say something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it all, it all comes down to what you do. How you respond in in, in action, uh, and of course that that of course starts in the mind, right? That that, that of course starts with the thoughts. Um, you know, uh, speaking to speaking to that, what you know, it says you know Romans eight one. There is therefore now no condemnation. Well, why is there no condemnation? Com, uh, condemnation. Well, uh, we've talked about that, but specifically, Scripture says that you know in Romans five that uh, Romans five sixteen that the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in what? Justification. Mm. So we, we remember, we remember that just, just like you guys said, we remember the works of Christ. And so, yes, there's remorse and, and, and yes, there is even, I, I think it's okay to feel guilty, but why do you feel guilty? Are you, do you feel guilty that you, number one, got caught? 
do you feel guilty and 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 do you feel bad because of the consequences of may, of what may have happened if it's a it's a very public sin or is it that you have grieved the heart of god that your sin is the reason that christ went to the cross and because your your desire because that desire has been put in you is so to be so devoted to god that you have grieved his heart that your sin does anger him um you know yes you're justified yes there's no condemnation but but from those emotions you know i think there needs to be a question that you ask is what do i have to do to mortify this not because i'm trying to earn god's favor but because my desire is to put to death the deeds of the flesh that's right now i think there's because we first we need to recognize our sin and, and yeah. in this passage in, in, in Romans 7, this is what Paul does. He recognizes his sin, uh, and he recognizes it by way of the law of God. Um, you know, the law of God is, is, is spiritual. It's something that's given by God. Uh, but the, the law of God is really uh, a way to uncover our sin. What it does is it reveals to us our sin. So we've recognized our sin we've we've grieved our sin we we have remorse over our sin but there's we don't want to stay there right right we don't want to stay in that pit because eventually what happens is that sin now or the remorse of that sin becomes an idol and we start continually going back to look at that as our sin well, yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and here's the thing, like when, when you sit in that, when sin occurs, repentance, turning away, right, to do another thing, that should be a very quick process. That yes. should be very fast, mm-hmm. right? And what happens when we sit in that space and we wallow and we just heap the ashes of guilt and shame on our heads, you aren't allowing the gospel to do what the gospel does. The gospel frees you from that sin and empowers you through the Holy Spirit to do so no more, right? When, when Christ is talking to the woman caught in adultery and he asks her, you know, who, who, who here accuses you, right? It's in the Bible. Good gracious. Thank you. I Thank saw you. that. Thank I you. saw that look. Yes, that look was was for it Drew is, because he likes is, to argue the prick of adultery all the time. I'm like, get, it's, it, it's in my Bible. Get it's out in of my here. Bible. Get <laughs> out you. of here I, right thank you. now. Thank you. If, thank if you, it thank is you. not, if you can't trust that that is canonized, you need to throw every Bible on your shelf out in the trash. I'm just saying uh, it's a later I, edition. Get out of here. Get, okay, Mr. I love Pope. you, Josh. That That was what that look was for. Oh, my goodness. Uh, can please continue sorry, the sorry, woman caught in adultery and yeah. sin no more right <laughs> it is a quick process when our when we commit sin we should feel that twinge we should feel that remorse like oh lord please relieve me from this body of death and that should be a very fast response to then send you straight to the gospel mm-hmm. straight to relying on christ and his power and thanking him for the covering that he has already given you. Now, we don't use that as a, well, you know, because I can sin, or because I'm covered, well, then, you know, sin's not a big deal. No, it's a horrible deal. Right. Christ died for it. Mm-hmm. That's how big of a deal it is. It's the right. biggest deal in the world. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But that guilt and that shame has been covered by Christ. Let that send you straight to the gospel as quickly as you can. Yeah, there's uh, what we're starting to see in our culture, and we've actually been seeing it for a while, is the celebration of certain sins, even by people who would call themselves Christians. And the problem is they're celebrating sins that sent Christ to the cross. So why on earth would someone celebrate something that Christ died for? Well, I mean, it's just, I mean, think of the most horrendous sin that either you have committed or that, yeah, let's just do that. Let's make it personal. Think about a a habitual sin that you have committed. Now picture yourself at the foot of the cross, engaging in that sin, pointing to Christ and being like, look, you know, it's okay. He's covering it. Oh, wow. That's what you're doing. That's powerful. (laughs) And that hurts me just as much as anyone else. You can't say amen. 
better say and, ouch. <laughs> and yeah, and 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 like, but that is the picture that we should have with sin. I honestly think if we pictured ourselves committing that sin at the feet, at the bleeding feet of Christ, more often, I think we would sin less. Amen, brother. Or at least have a greater remorse for our sin once it has been committed. Well, and think about you know, I, I, with what we're talking about in this specific section, and and I and I just I I, I was studying Romans six today, um, and you know Romans six starts out, what shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin so that grace may increase? Mm. May it never be. Right. How shall we who die to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that? All of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from, from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And, and he goes on, Paul goes on, Romans 6 is an amazing chapter, talking about being freed from the slavery of sin. And, 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 and he asks the same question again in verse 15, what then shall we sin? because we are not under law, but under grace, may it never be. And he goes on to say that the reason we do that, he uses a word that uh, is not very politically correct today, but it's something I think uh, needs to be in more translations of the Bible. Uh, verse 16, do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death, or of obedience resulting in righteousness, but thanks be to God that through you, I'm sorry, thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching which you were committed, and having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Your sin is standing in the gladiator pit with you, Yep. and it claims you as its own. That's right. It turns to Christ and says, no, he's mine, right? And we have one of two choices. We can either fold or we can put our shield up, pull our sword out, and we can fight, right? The putting to death of sin is a daily occurrence that we need to be engaging in every moment of our lives. And it is something that needs to be done violently. War. This isn't, it is war. This isn't a passive winking at sin and, well, let's just put it under the carpet or put it under the... But no, no, you, you, need, you need to picture in your head Samuel to King Agag. Killing him wasn't mm -hmm. enough. That's right. Killing the sin wasn't enough. He had to chop it into pieces, literally obliterating it. That is the, the, the veracity with which we need to be engaging with our sin. Because here's the thing, you can be as, sh you can be sure, sure as heaven and hell that it is going to come at you with everything that it has. Absolutely. And if you aren't going to fight mm -hmm. back with the tools and the weapons that God has given you, you're going to fail. Yeah, you but, will lose. Yeah. It will but kill here's you. The thing. Here's the thing though, but we need to remember, Christ is stronger. That's right. Yes. Christ is bigger. Mm -hmm. That's right. Christ is a more seasoned warrior than our sin. Mm, yeah. It doesn't stand a chance if we would just utilize the tools and the weapons that Christ has given us through his spirit. Sin would be being put to death mm. constantly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And now I want to say that because we've talked about works, you, you know, to please God, but, uh, you, you know, and we, we've been talking also about works to put sin to death. And this is a necessary work in the life of a believer because it's not just once you get saved, you know, now you have nothing to do, right? Now you can <laughs> yeah. just go about life because let me quite tell you, quite the opposite. There is work like Josh has just been talking about putting to death sin violently, waging war against it. Why? Because there is a preacher in the world today that never stops never sleeps and his message continually goes forth and that is the devil he continually puts his hand to the plow to 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 gain and reap a harvest and you have to continually be waging war against sin mm. so that you are not swayed by the devil's temptations 
Well, and you know, you have to ask a good soldier, if he's going to be effective, needs to believe in the reason he's fighting. Mm. Our reason is Christ. Our reason is the gospel. It's the inheritance that we have through Christ, mm. right? We need to believe in the gospel that we preach, believe in its supremacy, believe in its power, and believe in its, in its altogether loveliness, mm-hmm. that there is nothing in my life that I view as more important yeah. than the gospel of Christ, whether that be your job, whether that be a certain relationship, a certain substance, pornography, what, whatever it is, you have to ask yourself, is this more important than the person of Christ mm-hmm. and the sacrifice that he made for me? Amen. If the answer is no, well, then pull your sword out and fight, mm-hmm. and you'll fall, but Christ pulls you back up, and you right. keep fighting. And that's what the Christian life is. The Christian life is war. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Right now. The Christian life is not going to just be prancing through fields of flowers and getting pats on the back by, from everybody. The Christian life is hard. Right. This and is a, I was listening. Hardship. I was listening to a preacher today, um, S. Lewis Johnson. Yeah. Uh, who was uh, actually one of uh, John MacArthur's big influences, but he was preaching and he was saying that the Christian life is an impossible walk because of what it demands. But because it's an impossible walk, that means the way you walk it is supernatural. Mm. And it has to be by the indwelling spirit within you. Mm. Um, And so to walk this impossible path, we are to walk, that is the Christian life. Mm -hmm. There is no way that we can look to ourselves in our flesh, in our, our, our carnality, right? Try to white knuckle it right. and try to work through, the, through these things. We have to continually be relying upon the spirit, returning to God's word and keeping our focus and our gaze upon Christ. Yeah. Well, we need to get on our knees and fight like men. Yep. I like it. Right. I like that. So now um, we are sinners, but while we are sinners, this should bring us some relief because it is Christ who died for sinners. But now we've already mentioned this should not bring us to a place where we cheapen grace and we come to a place of antinomianism where we think that now we can sin with no consequence and and that we can just, uh, you know, go about the rest of our lives sinning as though, you know, we are covered in grace. And Josh, man, you gave a great, great illustration of that, but let's now move into Christ's work in dying for sinners. I mean, it's, it's, it's the center point. It's the focal point of the hope that we have Mm -hmm. without it. The gospel is a lie without it. We have no hope and without it might as well sin as much as you want. This is truly your best life now Mm. because what, what, what comes afterward is blindingly horrific, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, without the sacrifice of Christ, life has no meaning. There's nothing worth living for. There's nothing worth doing and there's nothing worth striving for. Might as well just do whatever, whatever the heck you want, because it doesn't matter. (laughs) Um, The sacrifice of Christ is the center of everything. That's right. Now uh, this is a quote from Ralph Venning's the sinfulness of sin. This is what he says of Christ. He says, this was the Aaron and the business upon which he came. He had his name Jesus because he was to save his people from their sins. This goes back to uh, Matthew chapter one. You know, you will call him Jesus because he will save his people. That was the, the, 
the plan that was the task that Christ came to earth in order to save his people. So he has a people that the Father has given him. This is from John John 6. And Christ will. It's affirmative. He will save his people. But he saves his people from the wrath of God, but also from their sin. And yeah. he did this. Uh, he laid down his life for us, the sinner, by becoming a curse. Mm. Now, in his becoming a curse, Christ is the only person that has ever been without blemish. Perfect, spotless lamb of God. It is those who are imperfect, those who are filthy, those who are wretched, that receive punishment, that, be, that are the curse. What is the curse? The curse is that those in sin die. You sin against God, you die. But Christ, the one who was perfect, in being perfect, took on that curse. He became that curse, and he bore the punishment for sinners. Those who would put him on the cross, that's you, that's me. Those who would nail him to the cross by our sin, he took our punishment. He became the curse for us in order that we would have reconciliation with the Father. Yeah, uh, in the, uh, man, the Valley of Vision, uh, which is, if you don't have a copy of Valley of Vision, we've constantly said, get one, you're, you're, you're missing out. Um, uh, it says this in, in the, the prayer of the mediator. It says, quote, I rejoice that he failed not, nor was discouraged, but accomplished the work thou gavest him to do and said on the cross, it is finished. I exult in the thought that thy justice is satisfied, thy truth established, thy law magnified, and a foundation is laid for my hope. I look to a present and personal interest in Christ and say, surely he has borne my griefs, carried my sorrows, won my peace, healed my soul. Justified by his blood, I am saved by his life. Glorying in his cross, I bow to his scepter. Having his spirit, I possess his mind. Period. Close quote. I need that printed out and like plaqued. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, brother. Because like, I don't know. Like, here's the thing. I think what we often talk about the gospel in very grandiose and big terms and big uh, circumstances and as we should it's the it's the it's the grandest thing that we would ever speak of but i think more recently in my life i think i have really come to need and see how the gospel really does bring a level of comfort and peace in the small, minute aspects of life. As life is difficult and life is stressful and I'm tired and I'm cranky and I just want to cuss everything out. I think I find it's in those moments where you know, I'm about to flip a table and about to rage quit on something that I really see how the gospel and how that specific truth that my sins have been blotted out under the blood of Christ. When I begin to think about my life in terms of that, I can't help but gain a perspective that, you know, everything I'm dealing with right now is not that bad. It may hurt and it may be frustrating, but when I view it in light of eternity, 
and how sufficient the gospel is for my salvation, why would it not be sufficient for my day-to-day stresses and anxieties? And it's the same Christ that bore my sins on Calvary that gives me the peace that goes beyond any understanding and stands as a sentinel at the doorway of my heart where my anxieties flow from. from. And it really does begin to deepen and widen your understanding of how deep and how truly sufficient the person of Christ is. Well, he, he's adopted us. Mm. He's adopted his enemies. He, and, and, and how that's possible is he, he's adopted us and he's paid our charge. He's paid my debt. And he has said, you are mine. And not only am I just going to say that in word, but I'm going to pay for everything you've ever done that goes against my, my intrinsic value and holiness. And I'm going to say, no, you, my son, are mine. And, and, and you know, there's that song, you know, there's, there's this song, the worship song, Our God, that exploded, you know, years ago. And, and, it, and out of Romans 8.31, right? And if our God is for us, who can be against us? And when you really stop and think about that as a child of God, as an adopted son or daughter of, of the creator of the universe, all, all the rights thereunto, we are not just given his name but he is conforming us more and more into his image and has blessed us with things that we don't deserve in even in spite of our struggles with our sin. Josh, you said something earlier, man, was awesome. Multiple things, by the way, I've missed (laughs) you. Um, But, but, but justification, we, we are justified immediately, but it doesn't just stop there. It's that continual reminder that we're justified every single time we fall, every single time we fail. You are justified. You are mine by what I've done. You are just, you know, I'm blown away by that thought every single day, every single day. Well, I think, I think that's something that I think perhaps people in reform culture don't actually talk about enough. We love talking about our depravity. Right. <laughs> we love we love talking about the consequences of our sin. How dare you? And 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 we exactly and we and we we rage on the uh, the health and wealth preachers preachers always talking about God's love. You know, it's always God's love, which is true. But sometimes we need to talk about God's love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes we need to talk about just you know what? I'm a horrible messed up evil person that held Christ down and drove nails into his hands and feet. And he looks at me and says, father, forgive this man. He doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. That's, that's the Jesus that I know. And that's the Jesus that has decided to love me. Well, it, it, and and you know that that started. Um, well, well it, it's it's something that's always always going on. But you think about, you know, the young restless and reform movement, right? Mm. And uh, and 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 this, I I, don't, I, I actually had a, a pastor uh, t- tell me this once that, you know, we don't we don't sing songs that that say beautiful in them because we want to be a church for men, and we don't want to we don't want to we don't want there to be some sissified Jesus up here. And, uh, and I'm like, then you've missed the whole point of the gospel, man. You've, Jesus is not, Jesus is a mighty warrior. When he returns, revelation is clear what that will look like, what we will see. Okay. He is a mighty warrior there. (laughs) I, I mean, for crying out loud, he spoke the stars into existence. Psalm 33 says, 
but he is also a tender father. And he is also called the God of comfort. Um, so you, brother, you're absolutely right. That is something we need to remember. And, and, and you know, look at Romans 2. Uh, you know, Romans 2, Paul lays out this, Romans 1, right? That last section there, this list of just awful, egregious uh, sins, slanderers, haters of God, right? And, 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 and Drew, to your point, talking about those who not only do the same, but give hearty approval to those uh, who do. But, but then he goes on to say, um, you know, in, in chapter two, to those who think, well, hey, I, I haven't done those things. And, and, and Paul says that, you know, uh, verse four, or do you not think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. Well, you know, I mean, Paul, and <laughs> we probably need to wrap up, but, but Paul, when, when talking about what we as Christians need to be dwelling on in Philippians chapter four, mm -hmm. starting in verse eight, says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, mm -hmm. whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. And my question is, what is more pure, what is more noble or right, what is more lovely than the person of Christ? Mm -hmm. The answer is nothing. 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 That's right. So <clears throat> to you who are sinners, which covers about the whole gambit. He's talking uh, to me. <laughs> <laughs> Understand, yes, those, those true truths, right, of the Reformed faith, the total depravity. You are a sinner, mm -hmm. and your, your sin deserves death you should recognize your sin, call out your sin, repent of your sin, grieve your sin, mourn your sin, but look to Christ continually. Look to him because he is the beautiful Savior. He is the one that came down to take our place, the, the punishment that we deserved, he took for himself. Look to Christ. And if you, if you are, are not a believer, I would call you to repent of your sin. That if you would come to repent of your sin, Put your faith in Christ, the one who came down, born of a virgin, lived the life that you could not live, that I could not live, that died the death that you deserve, that died the death that I deserve. If you would place your faith in this Christ, then you will find him to be the perfect Savior. But while we are sinners, we do not stay consumed in our sin we do not turn our sin into an idol mm. we acknowledge our sin we repent of our sin we mourn our sin but we look to christ yeah, and we continually on. move towards christ yeah i have uh just one more section of uh, a different prayer out of valley of vision that i i wanted to close with um and, and listen, listen to the last, the last part of this. And th this is what our focus uh, should be when we do sin, when the, when the Spirit convicts. Um, this, is a, this is from the prayer of the dark guest. Um, and uh, just for time's sake, I'm not going to read all of it, but just the last section. It says, quote, Oh, my crucified but never wholly mortified sinfulness. Oh, my lifelong damage and daily shame. Oh, my indwelling and besetting sins. Oh, the tormenting slavery of a sinful heart. Destroy, oh God, the dark guest within those hidden, 
whose hidden presence makes my life a hell. Yet those has not left me here without grace. The cross still stands and meets my needs in the deepest straits of the soul. I thank thee that my remembrance of it is like David's sight of Goliath's sword, which preached forth thy deliverance. The memory of my great sins, my many temptations, my falls, bring afresh into my mind the remembrance of thy great help, of thy support from heaven, of the great grace that has saved such a wretch as I am. And listen to this. There is no treasure so wonderful as that continuous experience of thy grace toward me, which alone can subdue the risings of sin within. Give me more of it. Josh, closing thoughts. I think, yeah, just the greatness of our sin, I think, is just a testament to the even greater greatness and power of Christ's grace. Amen. You'll never outsin Christ's grace. Come on. Um, Come on. And I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Christ is a very sufficient Savior. He's a very good Savior. And uh, yeah, I would just echo what you said, Drew. Look to Christ, whether you are yeah. not a believer or or you are a believer and you've been a believer 50 years, we never stop looking to Christ. Mm. That's right. That's right. Well, with that, we're going to get out of here. We hope that this episode has blessed you. And I want to encourage you again with those words of the hymn writer John Newton. I am a great sinner, but Christ is a great Savior. We're out of here.